Words from the Hills, reconfigure your life, change your heart, and prepare you for all that God has destined you to be. Welcome to the Hills Church. 1 Samuel chapter 4, from verse 1. Can you give me the scriptures on the screen? Let's do it quickly together. 1 Samuel chapter 4, verse 1. Let's read this together. We read all the way to verse 10. One, two, go. And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out of battle against the Philistines and encamped beside Ebenezer. And the, the Philistines encamped in Aphek. Then the Philistines put themselves in battle array against Israel. And when they joined battle, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 men of the army in the field. Lift up your voice. Let's read together. And when the people had come into the camp, the elders of Israel said, Why has the Lord defeated us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the covenant of the Lord from Shiloh to us, that when he comes among us, he may save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh and they might bring from there the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were there with the ark of the covenant of God. And when the ark of the Lord of God came into the camp, all Israel shouted so loudly that the earth shook. Now when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, what does the sound of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews mean? Then they understood that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp. So the Philistines were afraid for they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, woe unto us for such a thing has never happened before. Woe to us. Who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods. These are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men, you Philistines. That you do not become servants of the Hebrews as they have been to you. Conduct yourselves like men and fight. So the Philistines fought. And Israel was defeated. And every man fled to his tent. There was a very great slaughter. And there fell of Israel the next time 30,000 foot soldiers. Let's read on. So the ark of the Lord was captured. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, died. Then a man of Benjamin ran from the battle line the same day. And came to Shiloh with his clothes torn and dead on his head. Now when he came, there was Eli sitting on his seat by a wayside watching, for his heart trembled for the ark of the Lord. And when the man came into the city and told it, all the city cried out. When Eli heard the noise of the outcry, he said, what does the sound of this tumult mean? And the man quickly came and told Eli. Eli was 98 years old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see. Then the man said to Eli, am I he who came from the battle? I am he who came from the battle and I fled today from the battle and he said, what happened my son? So the messenger answered and said, Israel has fled before the Philistines and there has been a great slaughter among the people and your two sons, Hophni 
and Phineas are dead and the ark of the Lord has been captured. And now it happened when he had mentioned the ark of the Lord that Eli fell off the seat backward by the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died that instant. For the man was old and heavy and he has judged Israel 40 years. Now his daughter-in-law, Phineas's wife, was with child due to be delivered. And when she heard the news that the ark of the Lord has been captured, her father-in-law and her husband were dead. She bowed herself and gave birth. For her labor pains came upon her. And about that time of her death, as she was dying in childbirth, the woman who stood by her said to her, Do not fear, for you are born a son. For she did not answer, nor did she regard her birthing a son. Then she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory has departed from Israel because the ark of the Lord has been captured and because of her father-in-law and her husband. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. What makes God's people to fall before their enemies? What makes God's people to lose out in the war? What makes God's people, his chosen people, die 10,000 in one day, 30,000 the next day? What makes people to, to go up on presumption to carry a holy experience to the ark, <laughs> to carry the ark, which is a sign of the presence of God, into the territory of the enemy? Just to carry a sense of the fact that God is with me. Or to presume that God is with you. And run into the territory of the enemy to go and fight war. This is battle strategy 101. That you don't carry a God that you haven't been with. That you don't carry angry gods with you into war. You don't carry a God that you haven't appeased and tell him to fight on your behalf. You don't carry the ark of the presence of God casually. And it looked like the glory had departed for the name was what? Ichabod. Akinosta Mahai Atebrakuta. There are times when it looks like everything is lost all against us. We do not carry the presence. We do not carry nothing. We can't feel the power. Ichabod, dead, broken. And I can't imagine the dead in the land that time. The glory is gone. The power is no more. It's like a dead running through the land. A season of sorrow. And Pastor Chinto mentioned this on Sunday. That while you think the ark has lost its power. <laughs> it went to the temple of Dagon. And if you're in the camp of the Israelites, all you can see is that the glory has departed and enemies have captured the power of God and God's power is over. 
We can't see the move of God again. God is no more working. The devil is now in charge. Things are broken in the nation. It's all over. The glory has been captured. That's what you see from the outside until you enter into the temple of Dagon. Time will fill me to recount and read in the temple of Dagon what began to happen. The first thing that happened was at the head of Dagon fell off in the night. Their God was beheaded in the night. I think it was one angel that just said, Dagon just fell. That's their revered God. They came in the morning, the head of Dagon fell. By the time the children of Israel, the children of the Philistines knew it, they were dying. They broke out in boils and ulcers and sores. That's what happened to them. They broke out in what? Boils and ulcers and sores. And it was all as if it was dead and lost and gone and forgotten. No more glory. I figure in the temple when they go to Shiloh, what they will be singing was old songs. Where is the glory of the Lord? Where is the God of all power? Where is the hand of the Lord? Where is the beauty of his holiness? Has God abandoned us forever? But they didn't know that in the unknown, God was working. In the unknown, God was cutting down the Philistines. The presence of the Lord hurts the enemies of God. You cannot carry the presence of God in your bosom. It will be fire to you. It was hurting Philistia. It was burning Ashkelon, Ashdod, and all their city centers were on turmoil because the presence of God was now with them. And after a while, they decided by themselves, we are going to release this ark. They were so, can you imagine the same ark that nobody should touch apart from a priest? Philistines were touching it. They carried it into their territory. That's crazy, right? That even with, okay, let me not run ahead of myself. There's glory. There's glory. There's glory in God. And the glory of God has the way in which it shows up and seasons in which it shows up. So sometimes we feel like there's no more glory, but there's glory. In this particular case, Pastor Chintak said it was a quarrel between God and his children. They were fighting. Hophni and Phineas had desecrated the sacrifice of God. They put themselves first, not God first. That was their only sin. Whenever it was time to eat the food of the sacrifice, you're supposed to offer the burnt offering to God first. And whatever is left, the priest will take. Hophni and Phineas were priests, but they would take first before God. That was it. The sin of Hophni and Phineas was the sin of priority. Say priority. <laughs> so 
maybe when we're seeing, we're seeing Hophni and Phineas like, oh, they were bad men. They slept with the women. We don't have any account of sexual activity from them. I hope you know. We don't have any account that they stole anything. The only sin of Hophni and Phineas was what? Priority. They didn't honor God in putting God first. That was their sin. And it was so bad that God himself let the ark on account of Hophni and Phineas. His own ark to be taken because God was no more priority. After God finished the Philistines, they put the, car, they put the ark on a brand new cart. And here's what they said. Pastor Fred, help me look for that scripture. They said, if this cart goes towards the Israelites, it means that God wants the cart to come back. If this cart stays. So they put the cart of his own account on two cows and put it in a cart. You know, like they make something with four tires, tied it to two cows, and then released it. First Samuel 6 verse Okay, let's go to 1 Samuel 6, verse 8, verse 7. Let's start from verse 7. 1 Samuel 6, verse 7. A new, now therefore make a new cart. Take two milk cows which have never been yoked and hitch the cows to the cart and take their cows home away from them. Like take two nursing cows, take their babies away from them. They've never been yoked before so they don't know what to do with yokes. They don't understand what to do with yokes. They are, were not trained farming carts that knew how to move this thing. Take them and then take their cows away from verse 8. Verse 8. Then the ark of the Lord, then take the ark of the Lord and set it on the cart and put the articles of gold which you are returning to him as a trespass offering in a chest by his side. Then send it away and let it go. Like they actually gave God an offering. They took gold and added because what was happening to them was much. And watch it. If it goes up on the road by its own territory to Beth Shemesh, that's the next territory, then he, God has done us this great evil. But if not, we shall know that it's not his hand that struck us. It happened to us by serendipity. Do you see that? So next verse. Then the men did so and took two milk cows and hitched it to the cart and shut up the cows at home. And then set the ark of the Lord on the cart and the chest with the gold rats and the images of their tumors. And the cows headed straight from the road to Beshemesh and went along the highway, lowering as they went and did not turn aside to the left or the right. And the lords of the Philistines went after them to the border of Beshemesh. One day, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes and there was their ark coming back. Without any knowledge, without any awareness that God had been working. They sat thinking the glory 
had departed, but God had been working. God had been working on their enemies. God had been beating down their foes. God has been crushing their haters. God has been punishing their enemies so severely that when their enemies went to return it, they returned it with gifts. They have gold in the shape of rats, giant rats, and they give it to God as an offering. They mold it because that's how they shape their gold. They give it to God as an offering. They added offering. When your enemies, when God opens your eyes to what your enemies are doing against you, they will send you an offering. Say amen. Amen. (laughs) Those who resist you, those who fight against you for no account, those who hurt you, those who crush you, this, like God is working God is working. God is working. I just want us to get into an understanding of how God works. God doesn't work and come to announce to you that I'm working sometimes. Sometimes his work is in the quietness of night. He's busy beating up someone on your account. He's busy raising up help for you. He's busy speaking to you in places you cannot be. In rooms you cannot enter. God is working. I want someone to hear this and rejoice in advance because in the bleakness of the moment, in the tiredness of the moment, you feel like it's all over. You feel like the devil has won. You feel that this is the end of you. But God is working. God works when we can't see. When we can't see, God is working. Lacuna Masaya dostema, le cananti camasoli branosta, manostea la crostama nencoshada bolitama. The God who works when no one can see, you're working, working mighty things. You may have lost 10,000 and lost 30,000, the mark of the presence of God in your life may have been desecrated. You may have lost people you prayed and believed God that they should make it. And you've been thrown into a long season of grief. But God is working. Mm. God is working right now. God is working. You may have lost the contract. They've canceled everything on you. It seems like it's you and the deep black sea. Everything falling apart around you. But God is working. God is working. God is working working right now praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who is causing everything to work for the good of those who love him you may be filled by anxious fears 
You may be overwhelmed, but God is working. Thank you, Jesus. God is working. Let the nations bear witness of the work of God. Let people testify of the goodness of God. For He is working right now. Let's jump quickly forward to 2 Samuel chapter 6. Between the time when Eli died, David had become king. In chapter 5 of 2 Samuel, the tribes of Israel gathered to David in Hebron and made him king. After he became king, his first assignment was to restore the spiritual worship of God. And that's the account we are reading. So if we go back to verse 1 of chapter 6, let's read together. One, two, go. Again, David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Bale, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of the Lord whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts who dwells between the cherubims and they set the ark of God on a new cart whose technology was that who say let's put it on a cart Christians you see so you now enter into a new era you're trying to bring about the glory of God. And what do you do? You go and borrow a foreign model. Because how did the Philistines arrive there? You saw the story. And they brought, the hack, and brought it out to the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were the drivers of the new cart. Like, totally unaware it was a new time. It was a new season. <laughs> They're just new boys. When the ark was coming, they saw it coming on a cart. So now David put 30,000 men and it was time to return the ark. So what happened? Ahio and who? Uzzah. But the two sons of Abinadab they drove the new cart. Verse 4. And they brought it out of the heart of Abinadab, which was on a hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went ahead of the ark. And David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kind of instruments, of fee wood, of harps, on string instruments, of tambourine, sistrums, and on cymbals. 
And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of the Lord and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark of the Lord. David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak upon Uzzah, and he called the name of the place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord came come to me? David would not move the ark of the Lord with him to the city of David. But he took it aside into the house of Obedidom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obedidom the Gittite three months. And the Lord blessed Obedidom and all his household. And it was told David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obedidom and all this that belongs to him because of the ark of the Lord. So David went and brought it out from the ark of the Lord from the house of Obedidom. Who doesn't want to be the receiver of the blessing <laughs> to the city of David with gladness? And it was so when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. And the Lord danced, and David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a priestly linen ephod. And David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpets. Now the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. Michal, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David leaping and wailing before the Lord. She despised him in her heart. Like those of you who see people who are worshiping too much and you just look around and say, I beg, calm down. You know. Verse 18. And David had finished the offering, burnt offerings and pieces. Blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Verse 19. And he distributed among the people, among the whole motives, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, a cake of raisins, so that all the people departed, everyone to his house. David returned to bless his own household when Michal, the daughter of Saul, came to him and said, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants, as one of the base fellows shamely uncovers himself. So David said to Michal, It was before the Lord. Who chose me instead of your dad and all his house to appoint me ruler over all the people of God and voice? Therefore, I will play music before the Lord. Those of you who think I dance too much, and I will even be more undignified than this. I can tear my clothes and be humble in my own sight. But as for the maid servants of who you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore, Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. So many lessons to unpack. You know the story, right? So many lessons to unpack. So let me not be distracted in where I'm going. All of a sudden, it was time for the presence of God to return. Say to someone, it's time for the presence of God to return. Hey, you've done things of God anyhow before, but it's time for the presence of God to return. It's time for the presence of God to return. And the presence of God is a scary thing. It's a fearsome thing. It's an awesome thing. We don't do the presence of God anyhow. You don't do anyhow in the presence of God. You come with awe and trepidation. The ark was only a symbol of the presence of God, which we now carry in our hearts. 
and is dignified by how we pray, how we worship, how we consecrate our lives unto God, how we take holy things, how we think before we speak, how we fellowship, how we lead as pastors, how we preach the word of God. This is the mark of today's Holy Spirit as we conduct business in the house of God we begin to see that the house of God remains the pillar of fire, remains the place of the glory of God, the house of God is not a place to be mocked it's not a place to be ridiculed, it's not a place for jokes, it's not a place for broken jokes and lousy conversations, the presence of God is still holy, say holy oh church say holy Desire the presence of the Holy God. Elevate Him in your eyes. Raise Him in your consciousness. Honor Him in your spirit. As you come before the Lord, let there be trembling hands. Inashala maruteya kabanosteya. Hey. The presence of God deserves to be hallowed. Those who hallow the presence of God will get the benefits of the presence of God. When we gather, some of you are so torn on your mobile phones, so much on Instagram, to WhatsApp conversations, to, to posting, right when we are sitting in church, that's when you are, you are just distracted by everything else. Hallow the presence of the Lord. Bow down before his holy name because his presence is holy. When we gather, there is an awe that causes a release in your presence. But there are new strategies. New strategies are available now to do the presence of God. So you know what you do to do the presence of God? Get like, you know, one day I was feeling like getting talking drums you know it's been a running joke between me and uh, Ayo Ayo please get me talking drummers like those synchronized drumming I always love them they just make my spirit jump so then they like 20 of them just drumming the same thing synchronized like is the atmosphere just gets charged do you know there are things we can do to charge the atmosphere you know, there are things you can do to charge the atmosphere and create, you know. I've seen, I've seen some people criticize uh, this synchronized drumming because this particular one, they hung from the roof. They came into church. Imagine like we have a big auditorium and the talking drummers are all hanging in the sky. And they, they use slider, you know, this kind of zip line to just come with their talking drums playing in the sky. It was so glorious. Do you know sometimes we feel like we have to do something holy, extraordinary in a new cut method? Like I was saying on Sunday, sometimes we feel like ah, if we can get synchronic harmony, we can get the baritone brothers, the brothers who go boom, padadum, boom, 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 we feel like that stylishness, that newness, that new thing. Many times, what we're doing is to go to carry the Philistian method. 
but don't realize that your voice is good enough. Say, my voice is good enough. Be bold about lifting up your voice. Your voice is enough an instrument of worship. Be bold to lift up your voice. Your voice is good enough. God said that the priests should carry the ark on their shoulders. The presence of God is not about instrumentation. If there was no keyboard, will you still worship? If there was no instruments, will you still worship? Carry the ark of the presence of God on your shoulders. Carry the ark of the presence of God on your shoulders. That was the prescribed method. But we've made cuts. We've made strategies to carry the presence of God. And because of that, Uzzah's naive young men are dying. Uzzah was not, Uzzah just happened to be a bad guy in a bad spot. Good guy trying to help. Probably they're the ones who swept around the ark while the ark was in their house. But he died. And David now went to read how to bring the ark properly. And when he studied it, he got the priest and he got ready. Sacrifice. What a sacrifice means. It means it won't be comfortable. The way to carry the ark is by sacrifice. It's time for you to preach to someone. Let's do this as we go. Turn to someone. Choose one person. And say, my sister, I want to preach to you. What do you give for the presence of God? How do you create the atmosphere of the presence of God? How? You're not talking to anybody. You're afraid. You, you fear. Say, how do you create the presence of God? Say, sacrifice. If they're not responding, shake them and say, sacrifice. Say, sacrifice. Lay down. Lay down on the altar. Lay down on the altar. That's how. That's how. That's how to create the presence. You want an atmosphere. Carry the ark on your shoulder. You want an atmosphere. Sacrifice. You want an atmosphere. Hello God. You want an sacrifice. Esteem. You cannot get value from something you don't esteem. You cannot get value from something that has no expectation. If you come to God and you are flat, you're coming to church hoping that nothing will happen, you'll get nothing. But if you come anticipating... I am coming to meet with God. I'm coming to meet with God. God, what do you want from me? God, what shall I render to you? God, here's my heart. Here's my spirit. The person who comes with openness in the presence of God, he shall receive from God the grace and the glory and the presence and power of God. What do you carry into the presence of God? What did you come with? What did you come with? Is there any expectation on the inside of you? That expectation is what produces power. That expectation is what God meets. God meets you in the point of your expectation. As you expect grace, grace will come. As you expect power, power will come. As you expect anointing, anointing will come. Receive grace today. Receive grace, receive grace. Open your heart. Ah, open your heart today open your heart today let this grace follow you let the ark go with you home 
Today, there are no more acts in the natural. Today, there are no more boxes to be carried on shoulders. Today, the presence of God is in your heart. But you must cut him. You must cut him. You must create space for him. You must create conversations around him. You must look for people who pour the presence of God into your life. You must set out atmospheres. You must set out places where God is carried, where the glory of God lives. You must look for it. You must dig it out. You must set it out. And when you see Search it. Immerse. Drink deeply of the waters of God. Drink deeply. Expect more. Expect life. Expect healing. Expect grace. Expect that the foolishness of this world will become wisdom. Expect the foolishness of God to become wiser than the wisdom of men. Expect more. Raise your expectation. Raise your expectation. Raise your expectation. Raise your expectation. Let you into my mind and into my soul, pledging my life, serving you is my desire. I won't be holding back at all, responding to your call. We are the responders to God, we are the people who want to give themselves to God. We are the people whose hearts are open to the Spirit of God. We are the people whose, who are so soaked in the expectation of their spirits. Hallelujah. Amen. So we're done with the conference. If you have expectation, you can go back and watch those CDs and your atmosphere will be charged. But you can watch it on the go, distracted, everything, and nothing will happen. It will just be nice information. We can be flat with the things of God or we can be powerful with the things of God. God is absolutely waiting on us to desire him more than we desire gold. We did a conference called Diligent Pursuit in Jaws. In that conference, everything was actually about the person who diligently pursues after God. God has a way of hiding from casual seekers. Casual seekers don't enter. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. There are people who are always on the back row of what God is doing, waiting for somebody else to go first, allowing someone else to do it first. On the first day of the replenish fast, I heard clearly the Spirit of God say to me, raise the people for me who are going to cry out for the souls of 2023. In 2023, I want to harvest upon the earth. Raise the people for me who will be crying out to me and say, God, what you want to do, do it. Raise a crying people for me. Raise a praying people for me. People who are going to say, God, let your kingdom come on the earth. And I, and I actually asked and posted a church family group if you want to sign up. Thankfully, 10 people, I think 12, have signed up now. It's still open. We start tomorrow. 
You want to cry out. You want to make your voice the best place for what God wants to do. That's actually how to cut the presence of God. Can your voice be heard on what matters to God? Or are you always trying to do the, the least? Some of us think that because we come to church, God will be very happy with us that we came to church. That's the, that's the least. You should ha- be happy that you're able to taste the presence of God again. You should be full of anticipation that God can move in your heart again. God wants you, my brothers and sisters. Guys, God wants your heart. Men, God wants your lives. You've doubted so long. Where has your doubt taken you? You've been cynical so long. Where has cynicism taken you? How about you try worship? Try worship today. Let's journey together and build what God wants to build. The ark of the presence of God may seem powerless, but God is working. That's the title of my message. God is working. But those without expectation will not enter in. Those who don't have hunger cannot open the door. There is a seeking, there is an asking, and there's a knock, there's a knocking that causes the door to be open. Thanks for listening to this message from the Hills Church. Our mission is to love people, connect with family, and touch the world. Learn more on our website at www.ecclesiahills.org or email us at hello at ecclesiahills.org.